I know a lot about a lot of things, but I know a lot about this topic. Uh, I've put a lot of my mental prowess to to laser focus, just just honing in on every aspect of it. So I'm talking with a very, very high degree of authority, I'd say. Hey everybody, welcome to Landline Podcast. Recording this introduction from a McDonald's parking lot inside an RV in Osceola, Iowa, on Ragbri, a bike ride across Iowa. That's R-A-G-B-R-A-I. Check it out. Enjoy this pod with Saul and I on the porch from about a week ago. A little bit of internet dating, my friends. We heard you like the first part, and so here's another part. Tell a friend. Go to the website, Landline Podcast, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Thanks for listening, and there will be a part two coming up later this week. Enjoy. And then we just segued into a long conversation about why South Americans haven't figured out how to flush toilet paper and why you still have to throw it away. And that obviously led to me talking about Ecuador, our trip. But just this weird thing, you have an entire continent that is incredibly beautiful and civilized, and you still have to take your used toilet paper and throw it in the trash can next to you. I think we should start there. I think there's a, I think there's a lot. <laughs> I think there's a lot there. Um, so welcome, everyone, to podcast in the Nepotism Studio in Hanover, New Hampshire. Another beautiful, warm, windless day. Um, in the upper valley of New Hampshire and Vermont. The river water is just clean enough to swim in, and the thunder clouds are just far enough away that we've got a window to pod here, Saul. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Sunday. The setting is serene. We're hearing birds. I saw a hummingbird drinking some nectar. Wow. We're drinking some beer. But... Don't let that fool you because this is the Alex versus Saul, Saul versus Alex hour. Things are going to get heated. They might get a little saucy. Uh, The gloves might come off if we were wearing them. And firecrackers are going to be raining down way past the fourth. Wow. So, well, here's a firecracker for you, Saul. You bet me a million dollars that I wouldn't podcast with Tim before I podcasted with you. That's correct. And until now, you didn't know that I actually did podcast with Tim. And that podcast is in its final editing stages. We drank a bottle of Chablis together, and I did broach the subject of who the godfather of his child is going to be for all. Wow, the... wow! And um, I need a date. I need a date and a time. <laughs> I think that his point of view was less than inspirational, and I don't just mean about you. I just mean in general. He questioned the entire framework of god as uh a you know leader in his affirmation of someone to be the mentor to his child i feel like that's his way of just letting me down nicely he brought in the fact that you want to move in onto his land with a luxury rv he immediately brought that into the conversation so it feels like was that in the plus or minus side (laughs) i think it felt to me like he was describing a situation where he felt like there was a lot of 
outside pressure from you on him and he didn't know like which element to satisfy first but i don't know that just might be him lumping everything in it's kind of like a therapy thing like with with a married couple where people like lump everything in when they could just talk about like how to load the dishwasher and not make it about everything involving their entire decision to live in a certain place or split the workload the way that they did or have a third child. It's literally just about the fact that you need to scrape a little bit more crap off the plate before you load it into the dishwasher. But instead he just started complaining that I snore too much and I don't mow the lawn and I've stopped having sex except for like once a month. And we always watch what I want to watch on Netflix on Friday nights when it should be about the dishwasher. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's fair. I know that there's many things about me that antagonized him to various degrees. And I also know that I'm good at putting pressure on him and kind of encircling him with it because I think that's the best way to really be able to drill down on the things you want to get done. And frankly, everyone's pressuring Tim now. There's probably nobody in his life that isn't annoying and pressuring him in some way. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm still trying to get a good interview with a male about their pregnant wife without without going over. Well, actually, I'd love to have your opinion on this. So one of the things that I've found interesting is I, you know, constantly am daydreaming how to make the podcast a little bit better is my history with my friends when I get very animated and tell stories or analyze situations, I definitely have had somewhat of a sexual bent. Like I've always had fun and had good comedy coming out of the world of sex. And I felt like I've really tempered that on the podcast. And so during the wine, two guys, one cup podcast, which many of you have already listened to when you hear this, um, I try to like go X rated. Like I said at the beginning, like, this is going to be like, you know, the peach pit after dark, so to speak. Like, we're going to do, like, the, like, other side of, of Landline Podcast. We're going to show you, like, the dirty stuff. And then we ended up having, like, a very civilized conversation the whole way. But how do you think how – do you, how do you think good performers end up taking some parts of their comments they know are great, but they're sort of worried about getting into their public – comedic persona and and weave them in because you kind of got to go full on if you want to make jokes about things like sex you really kind of just have to like go for it you know yeah of course so you're you're saying how do you take this field that you enjoy talking about and you're funny and and how do you incorporate it into your act yeah like one idea was you have a podcast with max where it's just like dirty sex talk with Max and you get it all out in one podcast and he talks about adult friend finder and meeting women at motels on the side of the road. And it's like, I'm not, I don't think it's funny and I don't approve of it, but it is a section of the world that exists. It's happening. Right. And you do think it's funny and you do approve. <laughs> yeah. I approve for my own entertainment. Absolutely. Right. Of course. So, but it's weird. Cause it's like, I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm not really like fully out of the closet sometimes with some of the subject matter that I want to talk about for fear that there could be retribution against me. And yet that's a horrible way to go about building any sort of public persona. Yeah, I mean, I I think you have to sort of just take a lesson from, you know, um, you know, the Thomas Hardy's of the world or, you know, um, the Henry Miller's Tropic, Tropic of Capricorn. We're in the 20th century. They just wrote books when you weren't supposed to write about sex. 
and they were like, sex is happening, and it's all around us, and some of it's dirty, and some of it's funny, and some of it's disgusting, and some of it's extremely erotic, and we're just going to put it on our books, even if the government bans them for 10 or 20 years, and somebody sues us, which happened. Wow. And would, have you read both those books? Of course I have. Now, Henry Miller bo- wrote both Cancer and Capricorn? Yeah, with some extremely dirty stuff in those pages from the very beginning. And that's different than Arthur Miller, who wrote The Crucible. Do not confuse the two. <laughs> so what Their last name is Miller. <laughs> they have that in common, but little else. So w- what else? ironically, Miller married to Marilyn Monroe, one of the great sex symbols of our time. Henry Miller did. Arthur Miller. Interesting. I mean, she was, I think, his probably ninth wife out of 14 or something. <laughs> Well, what I've been trying to get with all the pregnancy that's going on around us is like a little bit of some honesty about I want to know about the incident that happens where the like pregnant woman is like, I'm so disgusting right now. I don't want you to see me naked. And the and the the man of the pregnant woman is like so horny that he's like, no, I really just please let me. But then like they decide that it, it's a good idea anyways. I don't know. See, this is what I don't know how to describe it without getting someone to tell me about it so I can be like, wow, and 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 make my comedic observations as a result. So I think I think you're asking for a couple different things here. I think number one, you want not me in front of you, but some other person who's married to a pregnant woman so he can then tell you funny things about his sex life and you can comment on them with but, comedic value. Right. But he he never will. I need you to be married to a pregnant woman. That's what I need. So you need me to marry a pregnant woman. Yeah, exactly. Okay, folks. Last week, the Godfather campaign. This week, the Saul marry a pregnant woman campaign for the comedic gold that would then ensue. How many people do you think marry pregnant women? How often? That, talk about a statistical... Now, you're not talking about a shotgun marriage where you're pregnant and boom, you better get married. You're talking about I'm going to get married to you just happens that you know maybe you have brown hair and maybe you're pregnant yeah exactly and it's like there's there's also like sort of a math element there which is you got to meet them after they had become pregnant with someone else but then actually like propose to them before they have the baby so there's a pretty slim window i'd have to imagine that that is scarce even in a world where just about everything happened I could not imagine that happening with, say, population six billion more than four times a year. <laughs> Maybe there's a culture where that's like something that the men are supposed to do. Well, uh, it, it would raise many questions about sort of what what chased the last one away, and should I wait and see what happens with this? You'd you'd have to kind of be in a rush. So Maybe if I was going out to sea and I had one chance to get married, and then it was fifteen years on the ocean until the next one. Or maybe if you knew that you couldn't get a woman pregnant, but you wanted a child, that that would be a good demo for you to look into. Sure. I would probably wait and marry the woman after she had the child so I could meet the child and decide if I wanted that child. That's true. That's actually one of the advantages of marrying somebody who has somebody else's baby. Now, we were t- talking last night at this at this party we were at, and I won't name names, but how one person who we went to high school with now is in a relationship where she came in with three kids and the oldest one's 17. And they have one child together who I think is probably four at this point. But he just has a 17-year-old 
either son or daughter doing presumably 17-year-old things. It's a lot to handle. Some people are cut out for it. I I would say I could marry someone with young children, but, well, maybe I could marry someone with old children. I mean, I'm married now, so it's not really it. What about you, Saul? You're not married. Would you marry someone with children? It's a great question. Depends a lot. I, I could not give you a blanket answer. I would I would not rule it out in certain conditions. I wouldn't want to feel like I was becoming a sugar daddy, if that's the term that we can use. I wouldn't want to think that when that kid needed a birthday present or, you know, a new, um, you know, wisdom teeth being replaced or something like that, that suddenly Daddy Saul was the one to step in and write the check. But under certain circumstances, if we got along, I, I would not say it's a complete deal breaker. So going back to that party, we went to a party last night, big barbecue, very fun, uh, a lot of smoked meat, yard games. And somebody cornered you, um, for lack of a more friendly term, late into the evening um, because... Now, do you think he listened to the podcast? No. Okay, so he doesn't listen to the podcast, although he could, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. He could, but he hadn't. But he hadn't heard you talk about online dating and then came up to you and said, hey, Saul, let's talk about your online dating. He just, out of the blue, like, oh, natural, it, like a, a civilian in its natural environment brought internet dating up to you as a fellow internet dater yes one wondering explicitly if i'd ever dabbled which is kind of like asking the the pope if he's ever read the bible <laughs> so so uh so what happened well so, the, okay the the first first initially i just i felt a hideous wave of frustration sweep through me because i'd been looking for an exit strategy for the last hour and a half and I'd actually been getting close to the point where I'd found one and you see that lane open up and then suddenly, you know, a, uh, a giant tackle just takes you out and you bang your head into the turf and wonder why you didn't get a touchdown. We're, we're going to go back to dating and it's going to be soon. So listeners, don't be annoyed when I steer us all away in the next sentence. But why do you do that? Why do you showed up at this party at midnight, a party that started 11 p.m. four in the afternoon and you are a, a creature of the night and you do you are like habitually you are habitually late a lady not, of the night even <laughs> but why but you also one of your biggest like if there's three major things you need to accomplish at any given party which are having to awkwardly say hello to people and remember people's names that you may have forgotten make sure you eat enough and then somehow get out of there as quickly as you can. Yeah, yeah. Why put yourself in a situation where you're immediately thinking about when you're going to leave based entirely on the fact that you arrived so late? Well, I hadn't been planning to arrive so late. Uh, we had some relatives over. hadn't seen them for a while. So there's a, a long family dinner and then got to chit-chatting afterwards. But, yeah, you're right that even if that hadn't happened, maybe I would have arrived at 1045 instead of 11 p.m. It was too late. And by... 12.30, I was thinking about bed, and by 1.30, I was actively engaged in the process of escape. Ugh. All right, so you're trying and to... I told myself I told myself I'd French exit. I, I said that's the only way to do it, and I'm just bad at it because I felt guilty. I think the French exit is so underutilized. I think everybody out there should start leaving without saying goodbye more often. If the thing is people people want you to do that. It's much better. No nobody wants to say goodbye. 
Well, it's a classic thing where, so I wake up with a lot of anxiety after parties about something I said or a way that I acted. And I spend the rest of the day, if I have a bad hangover, just worrying that everybody really, it's like, that's the last straw. That's the last time I'm going to be able to like, you know, make a Jew joke at a dinner table full of Gentiles where nobody gets it and, and have them like, I know it's like, you're, you're mad that nobody gets it, right? Not that I make, made the Jew joke. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> All right. So, so. But then you realize none of them even are thinking about you the next day. They're thinking about themselves. So that's a perfect reason a French exit. Nobody wakes up the next day, or I guess some people do, but I don't know. It's a waste of their energy. You, nobody wakes up the next day and is like, I can't believe that person left without saying goodbye. I could care less if you leave without saying goodbye. Now, the funny thing is that what I actually wish existed, and I don't think it does, is the reverse of the French exit. I don't know if you'd call it like the, um, you know, the Italian entrance or something. But I want to. I want the ability to be at a party, whenever I arrive, and not have to say hi to people. I want to just be standing there and be talking to people, and not have to shake hands and not have to hug them and not have to go through the whole. Oh my God, it's been so long. What are you up to? I want to be able to teleport in and just Italian entrance my way in or whatever we're calling it, and be at the party and then not be there anymore. I hate the beginning. I hate the end. People call it Irish goodbye too. So, for the I like French exit personally. So yeah, who who would do that? The Russians, the Russian entrance, the uh, the the Indian like Native American like the Indian entrance. Like who just arrives? Who just shows up? I feel like it would be Scandinavians. They're so efficient. This the Swedish sit down. The Icelandic descent. Yeah, whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. The Icelandic descent. I like that. Where right, you just we'll, don't have to say hi we'll to We'll work that out. If you guys have any ideas about that, email us, landlinepodcast at gmail. We'll take. We'll read the, the top five next show. Okay, perfect. So so onward. So you would, I, I love that idea, though. I think that's an, a brilliant idea, just being able to show up. Because there's too many people to say goodbye to and, and to enter with. Well, and my thing, especially because of all the bridges I've burned, there's a lot of people when I walk into a room where I haven't seen them for close to a decade, but certainly over five years. And so that makes the hello process just infinitely more troublesome because I actually there there are things to catch up on and no one really cares about them. But but they're there nonetheless. Right. I mean, I have I have a little side note on that um, about how the party yesterday was so great because I didn't have to tell anyone what I've been up to. I just immediately started hanging out and playing games. But anyways, so you're trying to leave. You're trying to French trying exit. to leave. Yeah. French exit. It's one thirty in the morning. People you show up at eleven on a, you know, reasonable adults amount of alcohol, like a glass of wine at dinner or something like that. People have been getting together with old friends they haven't seen, celebrating Mike, who hasn't been around for months or years in the case of some specific people. And we are, I mean, we are just straight up binge drinking. That's what's going on. Now, everyone's like, ugh, I can't believe you do that. No, like binge drinking is what, three or more drinks an hour? Something I like think that? It's, I think it's five within four hours or something. Yeah, well, that's like, forget about it. If there's like, <laughs> a, what's what's beyond binge? We're like, you know, we're uh, we're force drinking. We're ba- force drinking. We're like funnel. I think that's ten or more drinks an hour. Or funnel drinking. So, um, so anyway, so you're you're a little bit on a different wavelength, which is the case with you, anyways. But so it's, right. it's time to leave, and 
a good friend of ours. Let's call him Clarence. A Clarence, yeah. Clarence. We don't know if we have permission to use his name. Clarence uh, decides he wants to talk. Maybe he's feeling a little bit uh, emotional, like positively emotional. Like he's 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 an extrovert at this moment in time. Right, and we and I guess for context, we do have to say that out of everyone in that room, Clarence and myself are the only two not married. <laughs> wow. Right. Or, or engaged. I think it. Yeah. Okay. Or engaged. Whatever. Yeah. Same, yeah. Same goes. Okay. So he brings it up. You bring it up. Why would I bring it up? <laughs> that was the last thing I would have brought up. I was trying to leave. But no, so he, he brought it up and he and he approached me and he asked me several questions about um you know, have you ever tried online dating, specifically with one or two sites, and he was talking about this and then he was um asking me other questions like do I feel anxious and nervous about the fact that I'm not married and is that a problem? And then he mentioned that the only other person we really knew who was single is Max, which made me feel worse. So by within two minutes, he had just taken whatever joy I felt in the evening and just rubbed his cigarette limited. out in it. Yes, which was limited. And and yeah, it was it it got rough. It got rough, very difficult. And I also just didn't want to stand in the kitchen having a two hour conversation about it till four a.m. And what was his plan? Did he did Clarence have a, a plan of action? To, does he care or what? Clarence cares. Clarence cares. Clarence cares. Well, he, is he going to do anything about it? That's where the online stuff comes in. He's he's actively trying to do stuff about it. So he lives in Boston, but you live in New Hampshire now for I live in New Hampshire for the summer in a small college town. What's the online dating scene like? Well, it's it's sparse. Uh, it's certainly sparse compared to the Bay Area, which was one of the more populous urban centers of the country. Uh, but it's it's sparse without a doubt. There's um fairly slim pickings, and many of those pickings, if not quite slim, are at least picked through in the sense that I don't know if I want to be the one picking up the pieces. Mm. So... Um, what what can I say? I'll 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 put it this way. I've been, I've been busy. I'm working a lot. I'm having fun seeing family, having fun seeing friends. I've yet to go out on a date in the Upper Valley, which has been great for my bank account. Okay. If you want positive spin. All right. Well, I want to know like physically what you do. Like put us through the paces of like firing up the internet dating uh, you know, dashboard. So, like, you've obviously gotten into a functional relationship with your apps, your various computer sites, your internet sites, your, you know, you've got, like, the whole thing set up for San Francisco. So your filters are a certain way. You know that some ponds are better to fish in than others. You know, this one's not so good. That one's better. Now you come here. Are you using the exact same business model, so to speak, on a different pool because I feel like that probably, I mean, do right, they work right. th like there's not even Uber here. So that might mean that there's <laughs> not, uh, you know, that like Craigslist is better than, uh, you know, single.com or whatever match.com. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely true. And I, I don't know. I, part of me feels that at this point, there's been such consolidation at the top 
it's kind of like if you if you walk into a you know a gas station and buy a six pack, it's probably owned by one of three conglomerates that just pretends that they have many different brands, so you feel that you have freedom when you're buying. So there's whether you know whether you're in San Francisco or whether you're in New York or whether you're in um, New Hampshire. There's I th- I think a lot of it has just been sort of uh, you know fall fall falls under the umbrella of like one of several of the the big heavy hitters. Now, obviously, there's differences. Um, I recall that J-Date, when I left New York, suddenly seemed much less effective, for example. Um, so I think there's, I think you can point to sort of demographic shifts as you're moving through the country. But by and large, things stay the same. I, I'd say that here, if anything, those filters just need to get wider. You really don't want to be ruling anything out uh, because, again, like I said, the options are just relatively sparse, all told. Well, it's funny, too, because in the Bay Area, so it costs a fair amount of money to live in the Bay Area, and it's huge amount, and it's a stunning amount of money, and it's not uh, defined by, for instance, the college in this small New England town like that is the the defining factor of our region is this world class small liberal arts college. So. And then the associated industries that surround it and, you know, alumni that are uh, end up staying here and starting companies, whatever. So but whereas in the Bay, it's like, okay, I'm going to get on here and I can do 28 to 38 and I'm going to get us now. There's going to be different ethnic things going on. There's going to be different people in different jobs. But ultimately, everyone's going to know what it's like to eat like one hundred and eighty dollar dinner on a Tuesday at an oyster bar. Um, whereas you come here, the demographic drop off from well-educated, interesting, you know, politically informed 31 year old to someone who may or may not be living in a world that's a lot closer to a trailer park. There's a lot less people in between there. I mean, we live we are surrounded by a rural, relatively poor place besides this like, you know, well-educated bastion of liberalism. Yes. Not like poor like bad, but just like country poor. Uh and so, you know, yard sale Vermont, so to speak. Yes, absolutely. So, what is I mean, you kind of you you need to be profiling when you're when you're on there. Like you you do not want talk about somebody with kids. Like if you want to find somebody with kids to marry, I feel like online dating in the Upper Valley is actually probably a pretty good place. I could do it. You could probably find a pregnant woman. But I part of it is 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 definitely profiling. I also actually like to try to let them profile me a bit. So I I put in certain keywords that I expect would turn off certain women who perhaps I didn't want to be going out with anyway. Like, for example, the phrase gaudy shellfish platters. If that's something that I stick under my photo and make it clear that it's more important to me than, you know, marriage, careers, or future, then I'm assuming that the people who have no interest in that are going to look elsewhere. So it's not just profiling, but it's sort of raising your own tail and letting them get a shot of, you know, of what you're like as well. So you're trying to go for a little bit of like a cheeky, funny angle, in terms of like you need people to ha- know who the difference. Well, no, that I actually do. I just feel deeply I care about shellfish platters. <laughs> well, 
you but you do want someone who knows the difference between Henry Miller and Arthur Miller. Yeah, I've I've given up that I'll ever meet her, but I'd I'd like that. <laughs> It'd be a, a, po- a net positive. All right, so you know this kind of all get gets back to something that I'm sorry, something that I'm really interested in, which is that this is a great place to not find people online. And that's the whole point of landline podcast. Like you could possibly run into somebody at a dinner party here you didn't know, and then ask her out for a very uh, normal, wholesome, exciting date and go kayaking or go on a little hike, dive in the river, take her to a rope swing she doesn't know about. I mean, this might be the... Oh, yeah, there's lo- there's limitless activities. But do you, I mean, do you feel any inspiration that maybe, like, you'll lock eyes with someone in a safe, real-world situation and that could end up with, like, a nice date? You've done well before. Remember that really pretty girl that had all those guns that you used to hang around with? Oh, gosh. From Montana? Yeah. She ran for a public office somewhere in uh, New Hampshire, I think, and then did a bad job when she won. Yeah, okay. So there, She there. was someone I was jealous who liked you more than she liked me. We met her at a bar in Hanover, and she was way more intrigued with you than she was with me. Okay, so look, there there are those girls out there. Um and I'm of course I love the face to face interaction. I thrive on it. Look at us facing each other right now. We're both thriving. We are. We are. It's a little hot. So that's my have a magic hat and cool off. That's me, yeah. We've got magic hat number nine. We're doing like you've heard of throwback Thursday or Tuesday on Twitter or Instagram. Well we're doing throwback beer drinking here. Drink what you did when you were sixteen and you bought fake IDs. Put on a put on a podcast, crack open a number nine and uh smell those apricots. So I and look one of and one of the things is I I know a tremendous about amount about the world of online dating and so when Clarence was telling me some of his rookie mistakes like he didn't tweak his age filters and suddenly he was getting a lot of the fifty something married women who are you know showing severe interest in him is relatively young and relatively lean and relatively hairless body and all of those relatively should really be taken with a grain of salt and they were sev- they were also showing severe signs of age and weight gain <laughs> clarence or the women the women right right so yeah so that's so that's the point so he was you know he he he, w- he was telling me that he had been making some very basic mistakes that me i learned not to make when i was probably 21 and a half years old and so did you but you didn't you you if you could if you could do it all over again and you were actually interested in being at that party and it wasn't one thirty in the morning it was nine thirty and you had his attention and you thought that he would actually listen and do something about it what were some like give us like a five point plan give the people a five point plan you might not be an expert in getting dates but you are an, are an expert in online dating so I am it, it's true give us an inspirational speech all right well I fortunately all I have to do is quote from the chapters of my upcoming book. Uh, called How to Succeed at Online Dating, due to be published uh, sometime October 2017. Anyway, um, that's my plug for the day. So here's to all the Clarences of the Clarences of the world. Uh, I I can hit you with this. Let's let's come up with five good points. Okay, so I'd say, no, number one, let's go with a basic one. Exactly what we were talking about. Be aware of your audience. Be aware of your demographic. Now. If you're in a rural area, maybe that means tweaking 
your uh your distance filters so instead of within five miles you're looking at 50 or 75 miles now obviously if you live on the upper west side of manhattan you don't have to be worrying about that uh because there's plenty of people all over the place uh it could be playing around with the age filters it could be it's just basically showing an awareness of where you are in the country or the world at the particular time that you're looking for a date so that's number one basics number two I'd say uh, you cannot be aware enough about the photos and you have to understand that it's counterintuitive. You cannot go with your gut. You have to read the data out there. There's a lot of data. You got to remember that the big sites, OkCupid, Match, eHarmony, they have data scientists on staff, salaried people whose only job is to just study the data that goes into online dating and they know a million times more about it than you will. So... To me, it's a little like, it's okay, it's, it's something like the guy who walks into a Vegas casino and says, I'm feeling pretty lucky and I've seen some, you know, celebrity poker on TV, so I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing. So I'm going to go down and I'm going to take out like five grand, which is three quarters of my net worth, and I'm going to go have some fun because it's a Saturday night and I'm feeling perfectly confident and I have four scotches in me. And if you take that guy compared to like, the six people at the table who are professional gamblers and spent the day, you know, waking up at 9 a.m. and chugging black coffee and like researching uh, poker statistics or something like that. That guy's going to get chewed up and spit out. He doesn't even have a chance. So this is what I'm trying to say. You, you cannot go with your gut feelings about this when it comes to the photos. Be aware that they have specific statistics for what works and what doesn't. For example, it's been proven. I'm just throwing out one thing at random. That for a man, if you're looking into the camera, you're immediately going to generate less interest and you're going to get less responses to your own queries than for a man who's looking straight into the camera. Women like mystery. The stats say it, not me. Now, for a woman on the other, for a woman on the other hand, um, breasts. Put your breasts in the photo. You know the f- the funny thing is they they did a lot of studies about um, shirtless pics for guys and breasts for women, and and it turns out that. They work. There's a reason they work. Now, for women, um, they call it, they describe it as flirting directly into the camera, putting on some little, you know, cute, sexy face, uh, taking an upwards shot so the camera angle coming at a steep downward angle, maybe showing cleavage, maybe not. But this is absolutely going to generate more interest than if you're just smiling directly into the camera. So, again, you can think you know what you're supposed to be doing for a photo, but it turns out you actually don't you got to read some of the information. you got to understand your options. Where is that, and I want you to keep going, but where is that information? For those of the people who want to go someplace and like do the research that you've done, wherever the hell you did it, where, do they, where, where should they start? Well, I'm not going to say because I want people to read my book when it comes out. All right, that's good enough for me. Yeah, but I believe me, I, I, could, I could send you 20 PDFs and a bibliography about 40 to 70 pages long by the end of this podcast if I wanted to do it. Actually, for any single people out there who do want to play along with doing, being better at uh, online dating, email us or call the landline 617-744-1495, excuse me, 1895, 617 617- Seven four four eighteen ninety five, and uh, we'll answer your questions about that. We'll give a tip away every day until the book comes out, right? Easy. I could give out a tip in morning, a tip at night. Okay, so filter ge- uh, geographically. That's sort of an easy one. Read up 
do a little research on what photos work. I like that. Yeah, and also if you're a guy, just by the way, um, anything with an animal is a good thing. Um, animal photos are good, and doing any sort of adventure sim or exciting thing is always going to be a plus. Be doing something interesting, and if possible, have an animal with you when you're doing it. Alex, after this podcast, I'm going to have to borrow one to two of your dogs. Perfect. And, you know, if you are the guy who got up on stage with the band um, to sing Gloria at the last wedding you're at with your tie uh, around your neck and you, like, were tan from the summer and had some sweat going down your face, you had, like, some great aviator sunglasses on, definitely put that one up. But edit the drink up. Turns out drinks and pictures do not help. Okay. Just keep that drink to yourself, mister. Yeah, just drink a bunch before you go out on the date and then drink water when you're there. Okay, num- number th- number three, you have to be cognizant of the fact um, that if you're a male, you're going to be sending the majority of the messages, and if you're a female, you're going to be receiving the majority of the messages. So I, So what I'm trying to say is my advice could differ by gender, but I'm going to assume at this point that I'm talking to some of the dudes out there. And so I'm just going to keep my advice for this next segment based on that when I say that your messages, you're going to have to understand, you're going to send a lot of replies you're never going to hear back. Uh, but you have to balance on the fence between too too personal and too detailed and spending too much time crafting it. And on the other hand, between just blasting out highs and haze and what's ups, shotgun style because that's obviously it's too vague. No, no, no girl is into the oh hey, because very clearly you're copy pasting that, you know, all around the block. You're not making him feel special. So you gotta toe the line. I suggest going through a profile, picking one to two details, and putting them in. Ideally, not the first sentence of the profile to show that you've done your reading, you've done your homework, you've appreciated it, and then make some light joke or pithy comment about it. Show them that you know who they are based on what they're putting out there. But at the same time, if you try to write those six paragraphs, remember that number one, the girl in question, has probably gotten blasted with more messages on a single day than you're going to get in ten lifetimes. And number two, she doesn't really feel like reading how you've psychologically analyzed the color of her shirt and drawn conclusions about like who her grandmother was. Yeah, a little self-awareness in general. I've been interviewing a lot of people for a $15 an hour job that we're hiring for. And obviously this is an aside, but I don't online date, although it's sounding better and better. Um, Cause I feel like I, there's nothing I like better than a challenge that involves the computer, my mind and a woman on the other end. That's the funny part, Alex, that you would have, you would have loved the online dating world. Yeah. I think the world would have just put your powers of analysis to work. Yeah, but I would have done, well, whatever. I like the, I'm happy. I'm happily married. And uh, I'm happy that I don't spend any portion of my day, month, or week, or whatever doing this. Because it feels like there's a lot of unmet expectations that can really tear your emotions apart. Is that that true? Well, that's that's great, because that uh, goes straight to point number four. All right, let's, all I'm saying about when you interview for a job, if you're a little bit younger and you're still in that area of like kind of jumping around jobs while you figure out what you're going to do, just do not give everybody a three and a half year 
self-analysis of why this happened and why that happened and why you left there and why these people, the other job are there and how you did this and how you did that. It's, it's too much information. We're, we need to continue to have a nice solid boundary between work, personal, and also I don't want to know everything about you the first day. I don't care what our relationship is. I don't care if you're checking me out at the hardware store. I don't care if you're hiring or you're looking for a job. I don't care if I'm sitting next to the bar with you because I'm at an airport and I'm flying through Chicago. It's too much information for me. I just, I don't, I don't need to know about all that. Why don't you, even if we never see each other again, why don't you pace yourself as if we're going to, and then over time you'll reveal more and more interesting things about yourself to me. But if you blow your wad on the first time, you might get off a couple of great stories about how one time you met like the backup linebacker for the Patriots in a bar in Needham, Mass. But honestly, that's those are all your stories. Then when I have to hang around with you in three weeks, you're not going to have anything to say. And frankly, I can tell out for the first time I talk to you. So just pace yourself. Whatever you have going on, I don't know. I just think some of the people out there, they're as my wife would say, they're lunching. They're lunching about what they think is important. I think that's a great career tip, and it's completely true. Uh, don't lead with the best stuff all the time and hold on to a little mystery. Don't be afraid to peel back the layers. Don't just tear your clothes off on the first date. Yeah, you don't want to give yourself up to whoever you're talking to anyways, like employer, person you want to date, f- you know, new friend. Just, just keep something for yourself. So the next thing I'd say is you you have to be able to manage your expectations. And by that I mean don't have expectations. Don't be optimistic. Don't be hopeful. Don't get excited. Don't find that one perfect girl with the perfect profile and start fantasizing about the fact that 20 years from now you and her are going to be living in an old 19th century castle off the coast of Sardinia. Because probably it's not going to happen. I hate to say it, but it's just not. Uh, your chances are statistically very low that you're going to end up at that golden future point. So at the same time, you cannot let yourself get disgruntled. You can't let yourself get frustrated. You can't let yourself get sick of the process because you're going to have all of those emotions I just described shooting through your brain probably at the speed of like nine revolutions per second. And you have to be able to just take a deep breath, put in perspective, and understand that your life is going along no matter what. Maybe you end up going out with one of these girls next week or next month. Maybe you don't. Maybe something works out. Maybe it doesn't. But the world moves on. I just talked to a girl, I remember, uh, like a week ago, and she seemed familiar. So I said, have I have we chatted before something like that? She, there's something about the profile. And she said, Yes, and it turned out that that was about six months ago, and she had then met some guy and then ended up right back on the online site where she had started because he had dumped her for no reason after she thought she was in like the relationship of her life. So to me, I'd just reach out to this girl who's probably listening given the fact that we've been snowballing our podcast listening audience by an exponential rate over the last six months, and I'd tell her, Hold on to your optimism, hold on to your cynicism, put them in coat check, and just walk in and have dinner. Because this is not, because your problems are not over when you start dating somebody. They're not over when you marry someone. 
They're not over when you move in with someone. They're not over when you have kids. Whatever weird psychological shit you have going on in your head, you are going to live with for the rest of your life. And so if you're someone who's never satisfied with the people that you date, even if you find somebody, you will just find something else to never be satisfied about. It's just who you are. I mean, in my case, it's like... I had a lot of problems with the fact that I couldn't get a girlfriend for a long time. I ended up finding someone who was so great for me. She ended up actually extending herself to me for the first time, I think, in any of my relationships with women. I was scared by that. I sort of pushed back. It was like it was too good to be true. The fact that someone actually wanted me, the fact that I didn't have to chase like horribly around for months and months and go through all the angst and anxiety of getting turned down and obsessing over somebody and trying to win them over that was like my pattern forever and so I decided to do the right thing and actually open up to this person who was into me and we're married now and Saul as you know I have plenty of stuff to obsess about you do it'll never stop but I I would want to add to that I I will say that I don't I know a lot of friends who are married, and I, I, some of them I, I assume their marriages are good. Others I assume they're not, and still others I just don't know enough about it. But I will say that you getting married was the best emotional thing that ever happened to you. You're more pleasurable to spend time with as a result of your marriage. I really do think that. It's kind of like the... The you know the the friend you have who should probably stop drinking and doesn't stop drinking and doesn't stop drinking, and there's like one awkward blackout and then another, and then suddenly they stop and you realize that they're chugging club soda and they're a delight to be around. So to me, I really felt like your wife has had an unbelievably positive effect on your mental state. Well, that's very nice to say, specifically to her. And the only thing that I hate about what you just said is that I feel like I've lost some of my podcasting edge as a result of it. You did, of course. But I think that's a that's just what you have to be willing to do. But you're right. I'm I'm so much happier hanging out with myself now that I'm married. So I can only imagine what it's like for everybody else. Yeah, I mean in fairness, in your old self, we probably I would have been kicked off your front porch about 25 minutes ago so we wouldn't be podcasting anyway. And you'd have the edge, but you wouldn't have me. And I wouldn't have done anything about it. My wife is definitely a huge factor in me actually accomplishing all these ideas I have. Well, wait, I want to go back. So I saw a great opportunity to get a little bit more down and dirty and have one of those conversations maybe I think are linked to my life before I got married and before I became a little more pleasant. But in fact, they're not. I still say crazy outlandish things about topics other people are scared of now. So maybe I'm completely wrong about that. Going back to the like... Not getting, you know, step four. Step four was don't get too excited. Manage your expectations, yes. How often does, would you say for other people, because I know this is going to be way too uncomfortable for you to answer about yourself, (laughs) how often for men do you think that this just becomes like, it's 9.45, back from the bar, didn't meet anyone, get on, all these sites, open up all the windows and then just gradually get into like swimsuit pictures or like maybe some like egotastic or what would Tyler Durden do or just some like, you know, TMZ that gets into maybe some celeb nudes. Then that goes to like, let's just go to red tube and see what's new. And then it's just like full on, like whatever you're into, like, 
you know, European <laughs> threesomes. So you're saying like, how how long does online dating lead to pornography? Yeah, because I could see a there has always been something to me personally sexy about like the online chat with someone when you're flirting. And then you think about it, there aren't many like you never in the olden days you never got to like have a really good flirt with a girl at like you know wherever it would be a a, a dance or a you know wedding or Over even cucumber sandwiches at the four ten train exactly but then have like a porn magazine directly behind her head that was just like magically held up <laughs> that you could look at at the same time as you were flirting with her and when it comes to the computer you certainly can you could be watching like a fifty person gangbang while you're chatting with somebody on J date. So I feel like I'm not the only one in the world who has made that link before. Like, if you're getting excited about the possibility of actually getting a date with a girl who's cute, who you've seen a few photos of, who's into you and might be ha- acting like a little bit, not necessarily like talking dirty with you, but is like act saying you're cute and like saying how it'd be fun to get a date, I could see how someone would, that would be the beginning of some arousal that ended up ultimately with them watching porn. I mean, you can have you can have online interactions. I, I'd say this is relatively infrequent, although, again, it certainly depends where you are. If, if Max is on adult friend front, or I can assume this happens more frequently. But you you can have interactions that, sure, they, they get coy and they, you know, get a little sexy and, you you know, there's a little innuendo and, and such. Um and those are fun to have. Uh, for me personally, I, I I just feel like the worlds of pornography and dating slash relationships slash, you know, sorted encounters slash potential wives, just that whole world, I th- really think they're just in two different spheres. And I, I'm sure a lot of our callers will call in and disagree with me, but I've just never felt that one leads to the other. I really mean that. I think you're probably a better man than most. Probably. Um, just because, yeah, or I'm a worse man than most if I am if I think it's normal. I don't know, but I just... I no, just, I, I think you're probably at, like, a very solid sort of baseline average, to I be mean, honest. I mean, it's pretty... It's basic math. Like, you struck out at the bar. You're like, you've had three gin and tonics. You are feeling bullish. I mean, sh- sure, the people who succeed in online dating are the ones who treat it seriously. And who don't go over the line and don't act like a creep. But then what about Tinder? I mean, then you're into Tinder. If you're Tindering with someone and she... I, I've never Tindered before. I'm just I'm just going to say that it, if... It, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this. But Tinder, Tinder it's, it's changed since its inception. And it's not, it's not what people used to do. Most... I, I've been on a decent number of Tinder dates. And the girls are normal. They're not looking for one-night stands. Maybe that's me connecting with the wrong girls on tinder but it's become mainstream i'm just i'm just putting that out there all right so isn't there like bumble now sure yeah which is where the girls reach out yes all right but there's a spectrum we could have a whiteboard here we could put up all of the j dating or all of the dating things and like on one end of the spectrum is some christian thing and on the other end is like the tinders or grinder let's say and like at some point on Grinder, people are just like jacking off in one hand and like typing with their left hand on their iPhone, like I can't wait to like jam your asshole later, right? I mean, that's well, like what Grinder's all about. Sure, I mean, obviously, I, I imagine those situations are occurring with uh, astonishing frequency. But before we even get that far down the spectrum, I mean, I'd say that 
you know, for instance, Max, who since now things are getting a little um, personal, I'm going to change his name too and call him Tax. So Tax has told me about times that um, that on Adult Friend Finder, he'll exchange nude shots with the women or the womanish creatures that he's talking to, and that sort of shocked me because to me that that's I I will just never be comfortable with the sexting thing. I I think there's too many ways that it comes back to bite you. Tax's point is that he's sending nude shots minus the head, so just sort of torso down, so it can't really come back to bite him that hard. Uh, worst comes to worst, there's some site like Grinder where a torso of tax is floating around. Right. But um, but yeah, sure. So they obviously when you're when you're sending each other that sort of explicit uh image then the rules are a little different than when you're asking someone, you know, where she went to law school like I did this morning. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> you know do you what think, I mean? No, I mean, do you think that you could stand to, like, have a little dash of grinder in your approach? I'll, no, but I'll explain why. You that- have to understand, and I've, I, I know a lot about a lot of things, but I know a lot about this topic. Uh, I've put a lot of my mental prowess to to laser focus, just, just honing in on every aspect of it. So I'm talking with a very, very high degree of authority, I'd say. Um, when it comes, you have to understand that the, gr- the girls on um, on these sites, most of them have had one or more unpleasant interactions with a male. So these are not, this is not like, a flock of white tailed deer just running through a meadow totally happily and they see see a human and they come up and start sniffing his hand and like, you know, asking if he's gonna give them a sugar cube or an apple core. Uh these are white tailed deer that were standing there in the meadow eating grass and then someone just walked up with a shotgun and just blasted like three of them out from the middle of the herd and started like barbecuing them right there while the rest of them ran for the woods. So that's their, they have a hunted mentality in a way. Uh, at the very low end of the spectrum, they've all received multiple unpleasant comments from men. Uh, very, very sexually explicit, often profane, not coy, not suggestive, no innuendo. We're getting into why I would have failed. We're getting into why it's great I'm married, but keep going. Yes, yeah, so that's the subtext of this conversation. That's and and that's like their that's like the low end of the spectrum. Like the other end of the spectrum is women that have actually gone on date on online dates and been sitting at a restaurant or you know in a car or something like that when things got you know they took a turn for the southwards. And they've told me about this. I've had many 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 girls who I've gone out with you know tell me that they're no stranger to. This. So these are the white-tailed deer that we're dealing with. You have to remember that. So. For me, and this could be wrong, but to me it's a pretty intuitive point, you have to be extremely careful when you're walking into that meadow that they can see your hands and that you're not holding some cute little shotgun in one of your hands that's going to freak them out. You can't even be holding a, a hiking staff that looks like a shotgun. Any Anything that bears the faintest resemblance and those white tails are going to raise and the deer are galloping for all they're worth towards the safety of the trees. So to me, it's a kind of it's kind of the case that there are a lot of people who have peed in the well, and because of that, you can't drink the water. Okay, that's all well and good, but at some point, 
we have to respect the fact that women are also sexual. And I feel like you are you are painting a picture of a certain group, but at the same time, like there are women who like to talk dirty out there, and we shouldn't assume that they're all just little like prim and proper, you know, buttoned up tea sandwich eating white-tailed deer. So, do you think cucumber sandwich? Do you think that? Well, cucumber sandwiches are served at tea. They're, okay, fair. That's a, it's it's a type of tea sandwich. So, do you think that the ones who are the main perverts are just already dating? The, like the perverts in the world, the the female perverts out there, and I say pervert as a pervert and as a loving pervert, that those people they know how to get fucked on a Saturday night at a bar. They don't need the internet. So it's like maybe they're not on there or what? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I imagine there's plenty of them on there. Uh, I would say probably that in my experience yes girls are sexual beings but they like to be sexual on their own terms kind of meaning when they feel comfortable and maybe for one that means online sending texts back and forth and for another that means you know with their boyfriend of three years and for a third that means blacked out at the bar with six guys standing around here i mean i have no idea every every person has their own thing but my my basic assumption is that there's a point in time where they know you a little and feel comfortable doing that. And whether that point in time comes half an hour after you introduce yourself or six years into the relationship, you're going to get some sort of hint when it happens. That's true. And look, I get it. It's the Internet. There's creeps out there. There's the internet is a conduit for you to be unsafe. So, well, part of it is a lot. A lot of it, honestly, is that it's the same way that you see the sort of uh, the trolling that goes on with social media, where people will say, you know, you see it a lot with politics. You know, people going after reporters or you know politicians or public figures or anything. But people will say things online that they would never say to your face. They'll say mean, crude, disgusting, aggressive things that they would never just sit down across from a table you and uh, from you and say. And I think that's a little bit with online dating. I think there's probably a lot of really repressed, weird, uncomfortable men who have not had positive interactions with females who feel no trouble shooting out some text on a phone about what they want to do to that girl that they'd never sit down at a bar over a glass of wine and say anything similar. So I feel like it's liberating and potentially a very destructive and sort of evil way. Yeah, that's a great case of you stating something obvious that everyone likes to hear every time they hear hear it. Like, what I mean by that is, yes, you're correct, and you it's well said. All right, so back to number five. Number five, sure, sure. So number five goes, we're, we're circling back as I always like to do. Always, always, always make a circle rather than going in a straight line, I say. And so we're, we're circling back a little and I'd say what, what you write about yourself matters a lot. Now, partly you have to respect the medium that you're on. So obviously there's, there's some sites that sort of encourage you to be answering many questions and putting up a great deal of information and about everything from what bands you like to what you do on a Friday night to eight paragraphs about yourself and and frankly even though i hate the idea of that i love writing and i love myself and so when it comes to writing about myself i put up those eight paragraphs and then i'll put up like 10 more just because of the fact that the fingers are clicking along the keys and the brain's whirring and why not but beyond that there's you know there's another there's there's other sites where 
two two concise sentences is probably overkill. But the point is, what what you're putting up about yourself matters because you should assume that maybe, unlike you perhaps, uh, people are actually reading it. And so I I always say be be aware of that and try to sound a little interesting. Uh, just for example, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one thing that sort of I won't say it peeves me a little, but I I've noticed it, and I I turn my nose up a little, is that I find with female profiles they all a lot of them try to have it both ways. They try to have it both ways. So, for example, I can't count the number of girls. I'd, I'd say at least five or six out of every ten I come across where you see some version of I love chilling out on the couch, snuggling up with a blanket and a bottle of red wine watching Netflix, but I also love putting on my heels and going out to the clubs with my girlfriends at, on a Friday night. In other words, what they're trying to sell you on is the fact that they have strong domestic instincts, they don't need to be the life of the party, they can be at home having a comfortable time. Words like cuddle are obviously sort of like, you know, electric shocks to someone's brain because then obviously you read that and you're supposed to be thinking, well, that could be me on the, the couch next to you, that could be me cuddling, that could be me drinking three quarters of that red wine and not giving you enough because I like red wine too. And that could be me, you know, holding the Netflix controller. So there's. I so hate. I, I hate the word cuddle. I absolutely hate it. I would yeah, it's a terror. It's a terrible. I'd say word. cuddle and panty should be taken out of the 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 dictionary and empower while we're at it. Okay. So that's so that's that's a and and then at the same time, don't worry. I'm not a loser. It's not like I don't know anyone. It's not like I'm cuddling on that couch with my red wine because I'm an alcoholic who doesn't have any friends. <laughs> it's not like the reason that I cuddle. <laughs> so. Um, so don't forget that I can also hit the clubs, look good in a pair of heels. You should be picturing me in those pair of heels in that mini skirt. I'm out there with my friends. I'm popular. I'm the, it's standing in the middle of the dance floor and I'm having that third glass of champagne. But at the same time, the next morning I'll be up frying eggs and going for a hike or something like that. So my, my advice is just stop trying to have it both ways we're human beings we're complex you know most of us have probably enjoyed a night in and a night out most of us have probably enjoyed putting on our high heels but also um <laughs> cracking that bottle of red wine my point is don't try to play to the widest possible demographic be yourself put up a few facts about yourself that actually teaches someone if not what you like and don't like what your style is what makes you tick so that's point number five Give them a sense. Give them a little shot of who you really are, if you can. And obviously be dishonest about it based on the fact that many qualities you have might potentially be profoundly unattractive to most of the people in the world. So lie about that stuff. Well said, Saul. Thank you. Thank you. We need that uh, clap drop after the 50th episode. We'll have it. So couple uh closing remarks on that performance which i thought was highly entertaining and of great quality um in addition to the last point you made give up with the like i can't believe i'm on internet dating thing like either you're on internet dating or you're not but if you're on it then act like it's cool because if you don't think it's cool and you're like i know I don't think this is cool either, but I do have two dogs and I love going hiking on Saturdays and like, it's really lame that I'm posting this, but like, I love shellfish. It's like, like be proud, be proud about the fact that the internet is there for you. 
You can scroll through a bunch of people's pictures. You can message them and find out if you think they're funny without ever having to go on a date with them. I mean, I hate all that stuff. It's I'm fundamentally opposed to internet dating. I'm fundamentally opposed to the internet in general. But if you, all you internet people out there, are internet dating, then just go for it. Don't. don't and in fact, let's bring this to the not internet world. It's all those things where it's like, oh, here we are. Like, I know this is lame, but I guess we should do it. It's like either do something or don't do it. But nobody's forcing you to do it. So yes, exactly. It's like it's, we don't need to hear it. Like, in fact, no tolerance for this stuff. Like, no, like, oh, I'm sorry that, uh, like, I brought all this, you know, like, plastic silverware and plates and cups because, like, I know it's kind of lame, but we're all going to eat off of it. It's like I brought all this disposable stuff. I'm hyper-organized. I don't care about the environment. I like to pack three and a half hours before I go to a picnic. I like to have everything color-coded. This is the new set from Martha Stewart that I bought at Target. I don't give a shit that Target is the complete, you know, horrible abyss representation of American consumerism. Like, I went. I bought all this stuff. I used my credit card. They've got my data. And now we're all going to eat on it. And afterwards, I'm not even going to worry about if it's recycled or not. I'm just going to throw it all in this trash can. And it's going to get shipped back to China where they'll probably burn it. But ultimately, like, go for it. Be that person. Whoever you are, just as I always say, like, we're all dirt bags. So let's just come out of the closet as dirt bags. Realize that, like, we are who we are and, like, really go for the Internet dating. Say, I can't find a date in real life, so now I'm looking on the Internet. And here's what there is to know about me. I couldn't agree more. Don't don't be the person who stumbles into the bar and then sort of checks their watch and stands there and asks the bartender, funny, I, I thought this was a furniture store. I can't believe I'm in here. But, yeah, I might as well order a triple Jack and Coke while I'm standing in front of you. Instead of that set of patio furniture I was supposed to buy. Just accept the fact that you're someone who likes bars and you want to drink. Yeah, exactly. And triple sounds like a lot. Okay, so... Next next week I'll talk about some of my own personal deal breakers. Okay, good tease. So, to close this little segment off, because it's been so riveting, the only thing I want to know is, in a podcast, in a, excuse me, in a landline podcast way... What about the real world, Saul? How is dating in the real world? Can you tell me about like any element of hope when it comes to actually getting a, an organic date? What should we call it? like a natural date? There should be a there should be a word for it. We should it's like how, you know, yeah, it used to right. be that all chickens were free range, but now they have to label them free range. It yeah, used to be right. that all dates were in the real world. So now we need to say, like, we could just assume we could make the shift right here, July 17th, 2016. Landline Podcast is proclaiming that from now on, all dates are found on the Internet except for dates that are found in real life. And it could be called, like, an IR. Free-range dating. Yeah, free-range date. What about the free-range dating scene? Okay, I'm, I'm happy you asked. Look, I, I've gotten at this once or twice before. It's harder these days, I think, because people are increasingly conditioned to function as part of the Internet apparatus. And so especially when you're talking millennials and the sort of, you know, the 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 younger folk in their 20s, whatnot, a lot. There's a lot of people out there who become distinctly uncomfortable if they're approached or feel they're being put on the spot in any way in an actual like person to person interaction. They love being able to hide behind the 
sandbags of text messages and the bulletproof barriers of chat apps and things like that because it allows them the space and time that they need to make their choices without having actual free-range person-to-person interaction. So it's a very sad thing because to me there's there's nothing better than what me and you used to do, which was you know walk into an expensive diesel shop and while we were buying jeans, try to make the cute sales girls compliment our asses and maybe get their number. And obviously, neither one worked, and we just spent a lot of money on jeans. But the point was, that, 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 why did that never work? I think because other people had that idea. I just, it's like you're working, like, yes, this is gross that I'm trying to pick you up on one angle. But on the same angle, like, isn't this kind of old fashioned? Like, I go to a good school uptown. You work in Union Square. You take the train in from Brooklyn or Queens. I'm buying Italian jeans. You're beautiful. It's like, what do you, you're not, you're, I mean, you're making 18 bucks an hour here. It's not like I'm, I'm like going up to Kensington Palace and asking if one of like the unknown cousins is available for like you know a rave in Chelsea or something it's like but it should have worked i mean if i if i had been one of those girls selling us jeans i would have gone out with us i would love for somebody to come up and ask me a date while i'm at work i mean even when i'm married i'll say no but still it would be so flattering makes your day jeez makes your day you know what women you should start asking men out on dates maybe they do i just don't know no they don't okay so sorry i cut you they off they don't ask there. me out anyway well, that's fine you cut me off because basically I, my, my, my point is that it's gone thornier uh, trying to achieve those, those person-to-person sparks because there's been times when I've gotten this look almost like, are you, are you for real? Like, oh, my God, we're, we're talking. We're not, we're not shooting text messages back and forth or anything like that. It's, exa- it's exactly like what I noticed. Th- this is interesting to me. There used to be way 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 back and you're gonna have to sort of stretch your memory on this one but what what you do is you'd you'd ask for a girl's number you wouldn't have a cell phone or anything like that you just ask you'd ask for a number and that piece of paper was gold gold it was gold god it was so fun you'd fold it up you'd put it in your wallet oh god and it was like am i gonna lose it let me check it again you could look at it and it was like god there was like butterflies in your stomach when you saw it and there would be like it would be a piece of paper from the bar or like whatever something yellow from you'd a get leak sick or... the next day when you'd see is that an eight or a six i can't read it holy shit what right. number am i gonna dial right that paper was gold oh god it's so fun send us you know what send your landline podcast fans women out there send us your phone numbers i'm serious send them to 562 main street watertown mass 02472 we want you to handwrite your phone numbers for saul for me i'll call you call him i'll call call him and i'll put him on the podcast send us your phone numbers and we'll talk about dating we'll talk about anything but you know if you want a curly cue just do it in your handwriting pick your favorite pen and i don't care like rip a piece of paper out of a phone book or something make it cool there's nothing better than those pieces of paper. Gold. And then the cell phone came along, and suddenly you weren't getting those pieces of paper anymore. But you were at least you were still getting numbers. And so I, re- I remember there was a period where I'd have the number, and it would be on my cell phone or whatever. And so I'd do what to me was a logical thing, and I'd call it. And we could spend a whole other episode talking about this sort of delicious trepidation of actually dialing a strange number and bracing yourself to say, hey, do you remember me? I bought you your you know, fourth Jameson shot last night at 
the bar that you're not sure if you actually went to, but it turns out you did when both of your friends were looking the other way or whatever. So then you, you, there's a point in time. And you had to leave, you had to leave a message. You had to leave a message. Yeah. Any, I mean, what you just said, but it's like you, you left a message and if you screwed up the message, you didn't deserve to get called back and you the knew message it. message had to be ace. You had to ace it, and like we all had our different points of view. Some people would probably practice. I was like, call, get nervous while it's ringing, and like just blurt out whatever happened. But just you were imp- you were good at the message. I was. Gr- I mean, you I was really good at it. I was good right up until my true personality came out, and then I was bad. Right, I'm not talking about that point, but the mess the message you you sailed right along. Yeah, I was I was made for the cute phone message or email those things both things of dinosaurs di- even emails dinosaurs of the past you really were just made just made for that medium yeah all right so keep going so anyway so so then and you'd or or you'd call and and she'd pick up or something like that and you'd have a conversation and it would be pretty awkward for a few seconds and then you'd make some light ice-breaking joke or something like that and you'd be talking and then eventually you'd basically say hey do you want to you know catch a uh, movie movie in Bryant Park with me or something like that or you know do you want to go to that cute new Peruvian place on 81st in Amsterdam or whatever it is but it would that would be the sequence of events so anyway then I'd say this was not much past yeah I'd say probably go ahead okay yeah gotta jump in here because this is something both you and I have talked about with each other the that pool's we really... warm there's plenty of place to place to splash yeah splash I'm diving around. in on this the world is a worse place because people are not forced to have that conversation. Women out there who are 26, you wonder why some of the men you're dealing with are so hapless. It's because they don't have to have that conversation. Thank you. I think you should force these guys to call you. In fact, Saul, I would even argue you put something up on your online dating thing that said, I want our first contact to be on the phone. And yeah, you might only get six people instead of 60 to write you the first time, but the six who do write you are going to be super high quality. Like, get on the phone because everyone should have to be awkward in front of the person that they're interested in dating. Embarrass yourself a little bit. Absolutely. Show a little bit of the fact that you can recover from that. Show a little bit of risk. You were talking about how people want adventure, people want outdoor adventure photos. Out- adventure is calling someone and risking them picking up the phone and then having to figure out what you're going to say. Adventure is not sending a message while you're taking a shit on your $600 Apple iPhone and like getting somebody to like write you back. That's not adventure. And so- let me let me tell you something as well. There's no better feeling in the world than having one of those phone calls go well. They don't always go well. It's not 100%. There's no guarantees. But that feeling of hanging up, knowing it went well, and you got your next thing right on the horizon. Tell me what's better than that. It's the difference between microwaving a box of Lunchables for dinner and cooking a beef stew that took you 18 hours to prepare and nine of your best friends came over to eat it. Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, it's totally true. It's so funny. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm so glad. I'm sorry for all these people now. I'm so glad I didn't. I didn't have that. I mean, I'm sorry that I had text messages and we've talked about my text message behavior on previous episodes. You guys should check them out. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, talkforliving.com. But uh, 
I'm so glad I had to go through that, I, that I had to call. Because you're absolutely right. It didn't even matter if the girl called back. If you had, if it was Sunday at 3 o'clock and you left a good message on some girl's phone, me and you were going to go get a bunch of fattening Chinese food and watch two movies back to back. And I, yes. it, was, it was like better than getting laid. Who cares about <laughs> getting laid? Better. It was like there's a chance I could get laid. There's a chance this girl's going to call. That my phone's going to ring and this girl's going to call me. And these things happened. They they happened. They were, you know, few and far between, but that's what made them so great. Now, here's just for our extrovert idea of the week. Maybe we could actually do this one. Business excavator. Instead of starting, you know, 150 years ago, Miss Nancy's school of etiquette to teach girls which fork to use at the dinner salad. What if we just taught millennials how to use the phone? I, we certainly would get written up in the New York Times pretty quick. That's like those adult camps that were there a couple summers ago. I, I think that's Go to br- camp and use a phone. I think it's brilliant. No, but seriously, who could argue against this being good? Who could argue against... Who could argue for text messages or emails or using some platform that's gathering your data ahead of having to, pho- to make a phone call? Only people I don't like could make that argument. So it's like if you sat down with someone that I have any respect for and I was like, wouldn't it be better for all these reasons we've been describing on this podcast if you just called them, you got nervous, you had to leave a message, you had to think of it on the fly, you had to wait around and be patient to see if she was going to call you back. When she did, you had to have a nice tone of voice no matter what was going on in your life. You had to put that aside because when you're in a relationship with someone, it doesn't matter if you had a bad day at work. It doesn't matter if you're stressed out about something. It doesn't matter if somebody just cut you off while you're driving. You need to open up your heart, open up your mind, and realize that that portion of your life is something that's good, something that you can escape from all the other aspects that you have going on. This is a place you need to be kind to someone. You need to be comfortable. You need to explore the better parts of life like you know, hiking and walking the dogs and taking bike rides and playing cards, sitting by the fire, going to great restaurants, going to great movies. That's an escape from your shitty life. So when they call back, you have to act like you're a person who could actually like create an environment where you could succeed at all those things. And if you don't, they're going to know it because people have incredible intuition, especially when they can hear someone's voice. So it's like no one's going to argue against all those values of having a phone call with somebody. And for all you pragmatists out there, here's another thing. Text messages don't mean shit. They really don't mean shit. Your ability to send one, maybe sure you can send a good one, maybe not. But it ultimately has no fundamental bearing on who you are in a real conversation. So if you're a girl, I ask you this question. What would you rather do? Would you rather have a 20-minute phone call and have it be really awkward or really successful and have that tell you which way the wind is blowing in terms of what your next move is? Or would you rather exchange a couple text messages and then sit down for three-course dinner with some guy and learn just as you're ordering the wine that he cannot string a sentence together, that he's incapable of it, that he sits there awkwardly playing with his fork and asking you what your favorite season is? Or asking you – well, that's a good question, but asking you what your favorite – what if he Winter, plays? Obviously. What if he plays with his phone instead of his fork? Well, that's a whole other category. That's that that's shameful and disgusting. But I mean, it, it, to go back to my texting on the toilet thing, for all you people who value text messages, I send around sixty percent of mine while I'm on the toilet. So that goes to show you how important they are to me. Like that's it's literally toilet play. Also, Saul, have there ever been more phones in the world than there are right now, and yet there are less phone calls? Is that not the definition of irony right there? 
it's a sad thing. It's a sad fact. So look around around. I can actually place this at a specific point in history because I remember it was around 2006, the first time I personally ran into this, and I had I'd been at a bar and I um you know ended up buying some drinks and making out with a cute little Columbia student. Just for any people who are hating me for that, I was 22 at the time and a year out of college, so I was allowed to do that kind of thing. Columbia or Barnard, very important. She was actually Columbia. Wow. Yes. A rarity. Yes. All right, keep going. A real snow leopard. So anyway, I remember, and and we had, you know, we had fun, and we we, it was winter, and we kind of ran around in the snow and stuff like that from, you know, one bar to the next. And I had her number, and so I called her the next day, and the it rang, it rang, it rang, it went to voicemail, and then I thought, okay, whatever, left my message, and then two seconds later, I got a text message on my phone from her number just saying something like, hey, who's this or something like that. Not not standoffish or anything, just, just questioning. And I realized that I had been screened essentially and that she was telling me loud and clear, I'm not comfortable with the phone as a divisive communication. I'm comfortable with texting. And so I obviously texted her back and we actually ended up hanging out again. But the point is we didn't have that phone call. And suddenly... It's like those movies where they see one zombie and that's kind of bad, but then it turns out there's a lot of other zombies right around the corner, like running down the road towards you. And then you check a world map and, and six other continents have been taken over by zombies. So the point is that that's what it turned into, that suddenly what I thought was this rare iteration, this sort of outlying event that I just sort of encounter and shrug off and then go back to my normal life, Little did I know that that was the new normal. And more and more that happened where I'd call someone and they wouldn't pick up. And then I'd get a text message saying, like, what's up or something like that. And I slowly started realizing that the world was changing all around me. And it did. And it did. And that's the end of uh, episode that you're listening to, which may have a second part. So... Well said, Saul. We got a lot of landline content in there. Um, that's it, folks. I think you know you're getting to understand the brand here as we relaunch the program. But um, we're making a lot of mistakes out there, there, people, and there is a lot of contentment being left on the table in order to find out what your, you know, f- friend's aunt did at the. Braves game on Thursday on Facebook or something. I can't even, you know. Here's my here's my fundamental point. That which is easier is not always better. It can be easier to duck a call and shoot a text message, but that doesn't mean that it's fundamentally more rewarding or more virtuous or even more beneficial for you. That's when a- I went in, I'm I'm teaching this term this summer. It's the first time I've ever taught graduate school. When I went in my first class, I was scared. It was a scary experience walking into a room full of people I'd never met who were intense people. I don't usually talk about professional stuff, but it was an intense time. I'd spent many days like preparing. I wanted it to be A+. Plus. I was like keenly aware of the fact that you gain a you you can you lose your audience or you gain them in the first 5-10 minutes, you know, whether it's stand-up comedy or teaching or anything else. And my point is that it was definitely sort of one of the greatest professional challenges I'd had in a long time, 
But I walked out with a giant grin on my face, feeling great about things. That which is easy is not always best. And that is pretty much the exact reason I don't want to live on the West Coast. So with that... (laughs) uh, Next up, South American Toilet and Why Alex Hates Pharmacies. That's it. Uh, Thanks for listening. Remember, guys, call the landline, leave a message. I've got some I need to queue up for the pod. Maybe you'll get a taste this time. 617-744-1895. Something I have not been mentioning to you that I need to remind you of is please tell a friend. Our numbers are building, and it's awesome. And I think the way this works, given the fact that we are trying to do this free range without the use of the uh, social media platforms you all hate so much but refuse to leave, is if we just tell a couple more people and then get them to tell a couple more people, we're going to reach a – what's that? Uh, critical mass. That's it. Critical mass of people. Where the zombies take over the people. It's gonna. Z- it's gonna tip. It's gonna tip the scales, um, and we're gonna have a podcast on our hands, and you're gonna love it. Um, and then we'll have enough people to either sell ads, which we'll never do, or start charging you, which we definitely will. For all you listeners out there, you're you're buying Coca Cola stock in 1949. That's it. You've got uh, Apple right after that weird Palm Pilot thing failed, and it's like $4 a share. So spread the word. Get in fast. You'll be able to tell everyone you knew us longer. We will sign you, send you signed copies of all our books. We're going to do the whole thing. So once again, tell a friend. 617-744-1895 is the landline. Landlinepodcast at gmail.com is the email address. We've also got SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes as our platforms. You can find Landline and go to talkforaliving.com, a website which may soon also have a food blog on it if I get my act together. Juggling a lot of balls, but we're going to stop here, let it go, 90 minutes flat, and move on to part two uh, after a quick break. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Saul. Adios. Goodbye, goodbye.